God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have around your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet. And it is a light unto our path. We thank you for this special day that has been set aside to celebrate the death, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you because of him we have life. And not just normal life, but we have more than abundant life. And so as we hear the word today, I thank you, Father, that souls will be changed Lives will be inspired and those who are here, they'll leave this place in better state than they came in. I thank you for the anointing of God that's here to teach your people your word. I submit to him as an oracle of God in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Even though it's Easter, I decided to stay in the series that I'm in. And the reason I did, I'm going to tell you why. The reason I decided to stay in the series is because the lesson today fits an Easter message. So today, if you want to take notes, I want you to write down the palace test. The palace test. And those of you who are visiting us, we're on a series entitled From Dream to Destiny. Say that with me. Say From Dream to Destiny. And this series is designed to help you discover the dream that God has put in your heart and for your life. And then it's going to help outline the different tests that we have to take and that we have to pass in order for us to move into the destiny that God has for us. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Most people's character cannot support the dream or the destiny that God has for their lives. And so we've been looking at the life of Joseph, and I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 39, Genesis 39, and then I want you to also find Genesis chapter 4, Genesis 39, and then Genesis chapter 4. We've been looking at the life of Joseph, and Joseph had to take several tests, and, and uh, I'm going to just do a slight review to see if my, my class is a good class. And see, and, and hopefully you're a good class so you can make me happy. So here's the first question. What was the title of the first lesson? Pride. The what? Pride. The pride. Okay, very good. What was the, the name of the second test? Amen. The pit. Boy, y'all make me so happy. It's important to make me happy. Amen. I can start preaching on hell if you don't make me happy. <laughs> and so we looked at Joseph and Joseph had an interest in life. And so I'm going to start today in Genesis chapter 39 because we're going to look at now the palace test. And in verse 1 it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him, uh, he bought him from the hands of the Ishmaelites, which brought him down there to Egypt. Verse 2. And the Lord was with who? The Lord was with Joseph. I mean, some people will say, well, man, if the Lord was with Joseph, how did he end up getting him thrown in a pit? But see, what God does not guarantee, he does not guarantee things bad won't happen. He just guarantees that he will cause them to make, cause them to work together for our good. So if something is going on in your life, 
that you don't like, just use your faith and walk through it. Amen. And so Joseph found himself in a pit. They sold him to this guy named Potiphar. But the Bible says the Lord was what? He was with Joseph. Now, let me show you something else. He was a what kind of man? He was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Watch verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. My goodness, what an interesting statement right there. Because I wonder how many of us go to work and our bosses can see the Lord on us. I mean, I mean, I mean they can see the, the cussing come out, coming out of us, but they don't see the Lord coming out of us. And so he's, his master saw the Lord in him. Now watch what else he saw. His master saw that the Lord was with him. And the Lord made some. Come on, class. He made all that he did to what? Prosper in his hand. That means everything that Joseph did prospered. Now I have a question for you this morning. How many of you would like everything that you touched to prosper? Let me see your hand. I mean, that would be okay with me as well. And so when you look that word prosper up. That word prosper literally means to push forward. So God caused everything that Joseph did to go forward. Can you say amen to that? Psalm 1 verse 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sees in the city of the scornful, but his delight is in the light of the law of the Lord. And in that law he meditates day and night. And then it goes on to say that whatever he does shall prosper. So I found out that there was a key. Everybody say a key. I found out that there is a key to prospering. You want me to tell you what it is? Here's key number one. The first key is that you have to have the presence of the Lord. That's the first key. First key. And see, before you throw a rock at me, it's God's will for you to prosper in every way. He wants you to have a good marriage. He don't want you to have to fuss and fight every day. Do you know that is so energy depleting? Have you felt your energy level after you had a fight? Especially the one after church? I mean, that's the best time to fight after church. It's not the best time you're supposed to fight. But man, the devil, see, he wants to come and steal the word immediately. And so before some of you all leave the parking lot, you arguing over where y'all going to go eat. Well, it's his will for us to prosper. The scripture even says in the New Testament, beloved, he wishes above all things that we prosper and be in good health, even as our soul prospers. So God wants us to prosper. But here's the key. The key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. Now, let's go to Genesis 39. Look in verse 2 again. It says, and the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. Let me, let me say that backwards. He was a prosperous man because the Lord was with him. So that tells me if I can learn the key to the presence of the Lord, I will prosper. Now go to Genesis 39, look at verse 21. Because see, this happened over and over and over again in Joseph's life. In other words, Joseph figured out how to prosper by keeping the presence of the Lord in his life. And he went through several tests. Remember now, after he left Potiphar's house, he ended up in prison. And so we're going to read here in, in, in uh, verse 21 what happened when he was in prison. Verse 21. Well, look, look at verse 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with who? There it is again. And showed him mercy and gave him what? Favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. 
And the keeper of prison, watch this, committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. Can you imagine being a prisoner over prisoners? I mean, what do they give you? Better rice? But then if you look at verse 23, the same thing that happened to Potiphar happened to the keeper of the prison. It says, the keeper of the prisoner prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was what? The Lord was with him. Interesting. That's the second instance we've seen so far that Joseph had the presence of the Lord. And every time you see the presence of the Lord, it said he was prospering. Now go to 2 Chronicles. Get your Bible. Go to 2 Chronicles. You all know I'm going to teach him, pastor. I'm going to teach you. 2 Chronicles 26, because I'm going to show you something. If you can learn the key to the presence of the Lord, and I'm going to show you how to do that too. If you get the key down, man, do you know keeping the presence of the Lord with you can keep cussing words coming out of your mouth? It can keep you from going off. It can keep you from arguing. It can keep you from fussing. It can keep you from fighting. It can keep you from even having devil level moments. You know, uh, I went to the gas station. You know that, you remember, you remember the last devil level moment I had where, you know, I was at the gas station and the Doritos. Y- y'all remember, right? Y'all don't remember. Okay, let me catch up real quick. This is, this is not on my notes, but I got to explain it to you. Uh, those of you who are visiting, I had a devil level moment about a month ago at the gas station. I went in. I had my little boy with me. He's about one and a half, and he wanted some Doritos. So I go inside the store. I get the, Dorito, I get the Doritos off the shelf, and I go, and the guy says, 99 cents. I pull out my money, and all I had were $20 bills. So I gave the guy the $20 bill, and he says, I can't change that. I mean, all attitude. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Because I, I, it's a devil level test for me. So finally, I said, well, I don't have a dollar. I said, do you have a dollar? Because I, I was going to borrow his dollar and then bring it back later if he had one. He said, well, I don't have a dollar. I said, well, how do you expect me to have a dollar if you don't have a dollar? Well, I can't change that. So he takes the Doritos. He puts them on this side of the counter, which upsets me because he's saying, you ain't getting these Doritos. So I'm thinking, man, I, I can't go off on this, man. What can I do that's legal? I thought, you know what? I'm going to give you 99 pennies. So I went to my wife's car. She had a, you know, women have nice cars, but all the change in the ashtray was wet. (laughs) Women want all these nice cars. Don't want to take care of them. That's another story. So I go and I get all the pennies out of there. And I go inside the store and I, and I, I just, here's the counter. And I took the pennies from here and I just dropped them. (laughs) Well, guess what? I went in there on Wednesday. Same guy at the counter. Same situation. I only had a 20. He let me buy it this time, though. (laughs) Maybe it's because I had the presence of the Lord with me. (laughs) Are you in 2 Chronicles 26? 2 Chronicles 26, look at verses 1. Watch this now. Then all the people in Judah, well, it's talking about Uzziah. He was a king. He was 16 years old, verse 2. He he built this city that's called Eloth, and he restored it. Verse 3, it was 16. He said it again. I don't know. Maybe they thought we had ADD and couldn't remember the rest of it. Then verse 4 says, and he did that which was what? Right in the sight of the Lord, according to all his father Amaziah did. Watch this now. And he sought the Lord 
in the days of Zechariah, watch this, the latter part of this. And as long as he sought the Lord, as long as God's presence was with him, what happened? God made him to prosper. So guess what? We prosper when we get the presence of the Lord. Now, let me tell you what happens. God's presence, when we accept Christ, does not leave us. But what we do is we walk away from that presence. In other words, that's what happened with Cain. The Bible says Cain got mad. He didn't repent. And it says in Genesis 4, you can just write that down. But he walked away from the presence of God. And when you look up the word presence there, it means that he walked away from the favor of God. Now you say, well, pastor, you're telling me about the presence, but how do I get it? Well, here's point number two. What is the key to the presence of God? Here's one is the cuss word to most believers. Obedience. Just write that down. Point number two is obedience. In other words, in order for us to maintain the presence of God in our lives on an everyday basis, we're going to have to learn how to obey God. Now, 1 Samuel 18, 14 through 15, you can just write it down. It says, and David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. In other words, it was David's obedience that caused, it, caused God's presence to be with him. Go to 2 Kings. That's right before Chronicles. Just go to 2 Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings 18. Because I'm going to show you that obedience keeps the presence of God in our lives. And you know what? We have to value obedience. For most of us, obedience we don't see the, the reward of it. In fact, I want you to write down this take-home statement as you find uh, second, what I tell you to go, second, uh, second, second Kings 18. Write down this take-home statement. We can obey today or have sorrow tomorrow. I'm going to say it again. We can obey today or have sorrow tomorrow. Let's look in second Kings. Look in chapter 18, look in verse 3, and then I'm going to jump to verse 5 and 7. All right? Verse 3 says, and he did, it's talking about, uh, Hezekiah the king, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father did. Verse, verse 5. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the other kings. For he clave or was close to the Lord and departed not from following him. Watch this now. But kept his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was what class? And the Lord was with him and he what? prosper why did he prosper because he obeyed the lord and so we have to learn that there are some benefits to obedience amen and see our kids we train our kids that there are consequences to obedience the disobedience i mean when heaven was little this is years ago she you know i don't know why but she kept talking in class now she has two talking parents so I don't know who she got that from, probably from my, my wife. But she got in trouble, got her folder marked, right? And uh, we came home, we talked about her, said, okay, heaven, you know, don't, call, don't talk in class no more. So the next day, she get in trouble again. But what it was, the teacher asked her, heaven, were you talking? And heaven said, yes, but heaven wasn't saying, yes, I was talking right then and there. She was saying, yes, I was talking like earlier that day. Well, the teacher thought she was talking right then and there because she heard somebody talking. So the teacher, you know, marked her photo again. So heaven gets home and heaven, you know, I'm going I'm to listen to you before I whoop you. I think that's fair, ain't it? So uh, she, I say, heaven, what happened? So she tells me what happened. I say, you know what, heaven, I, I sure appreciate you telling me the truth. And daddy is not going to whoop you for telling me the truth. But what I am going to do is just give you a whop so the next time you think about talking... <laughs> 
you will remember how this feel. Landon, the other day, you know, he's 19 months or whatever. And Landon, you know, he's a tough little boy. And I think he know he look good too. Because he got a little swagger to him. When Landon walk around, it's like he owned the house. He ain't, pay, ain't paying a bill in there. He act like he owned it though. So he was taking a bath. Landon don't want to sit in the bathtub. We got a little, little leather little thing called Mr. Do-Right. The Bible says if you spare the rod, you spoil your child. Whooping didn't make you so bad, did it? So I had Mr. Do-Right. I said, Landon, sit down. Landon, ah! I pop. Ah! We went through five pops before Landon sat down in there. But everybody say consequences. But they're just not consequences. We need to see the reward of obedience. Amen. Because when you learn how to obey, God blesses you. In 2 Chronicles chapter 17, it says, And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and not, did not sought after Balaam, but sought the Lord, the, the God of his father, and walked in his commandments. And the Bible says that God prospered him. So you say, well, pastor, I want to obey. It's just hard sometimes. But I got the key to obedience. You want to know what it is? The key to obedience, and here's point number three, is faith. See, faith, and you can write this down as a take-home statement. Faith is applying present actions to receive future blessings. I'm going to say that again. Faith is applying present actions to receive future blessings. In other words, sometimes you got to look beyond today to see what's going to happen in your life tomorrow. And that's what obedience is. And the only reason sometimes we don't obey is because we don't obey by faith. See, we understand this because the only reason most of you all go to work is because you're going to receive a what? A paycheck. So guess what? You are actually going to work by faith. You didn't have to see the check. They, all they told you was the day you were going to get it. That was enough faith for you to start planning out the bills you were going to pay. Amen. I mean, we have, some of us have more faith in the hot water heater than we do God. I mean, come on now. I mean, I don't know about y'all's hot water heater. I have two of them, but I tell you what, you cut that water on, you just stand there for a minute. But see, you have faith in it because you know eventually hot water's going to come out of there. Well, guess what? If you allow your faith to work long enough, your faith will get hot just like that hot water heater. You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean by that? I mean, you got to just start obeying right today. Just, just, just don't, don't, don't curse them out. Don't curse them out. Just, just hold it. Just, just hold it. Just hold it. Just hold it. Because, see, eventually, that hot water, I mean, that cold water turns hot. That's what's going to happen to your faith. And so when you, when you apply your obedience by faith, all you're saying is, God, I'm going to trust you to reward me for doing the right thing. See, the Bible says, whatever you do, this is Colossians chapter 3. He says, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto man. Watch this now. Here's the reward. Knowing that from the Lord, you're going to get a reward. So even though my boss, my coworker, my spouse may not reward me for obeying, God is. And man, listen, when you can obey by faith, and that's, see, faith, 
Faith means that you go and do what God says even though you don't see the end result. The Lord told my wife and I to start this church with just me. It was three people. We had first three members. See, I know we say we have 22 members. 22. We started with 22 people. But we actually started with three. Me, her, and heaven. So I knew if I started, at least I would have two people in the congregation when I started. But had I, and, and the Lord told me, he told me, don't, don't try to look for no job. I want you to just do it, you know, start right there. Now, that's kind of tough for me. Because I'm very analytical. I don't know about you, but I don't care how saved you are and how much of a preacher you are, you still have opportunities, what I call, to at least doubt. That don't, listen, that ain't going to leave you. And that's why to obey, watch this now, here's the next secret. How do you obey by faith? Easy. Because the key to obeying by faith is hearing the word. Faith comes by and hearing, and hearing by the what? Word of God. So watch this. Some of us can't obey because it ain't in us to do it. Okay, let me put it like this. The only reason your, your car got you here today is because you put some gas in it. And even though before you had gas, you had a car, you had an engine, you had a carburetor, you had tires, you had, uh, what else is in there? Air conditioning. If you don't have any gas in that car, none of those parts are going to do you any good. You got to stop and fuel that car up. And that's what happens. Most people don't have the fuel inside to obey because they don't have the word inside to obey. Watch this. If faith comes by hearing and hearing the word, then when I hear the word, faith's going to come. So some of you all are wondering, well, how do I obey by faith? How do I do this by faith? Listen, put that word inside. Put that. And you say, well, how do I put the word inside? Hear it. Listen, some of you all don't need to be listening to nothing but the Bible on CD. You don't need to be renting no movies, no, no jazz, you know, no. You know, somebody asked me, Pastor, listen to jazz music bad. I'm like, no, it's not bad. You're just too broke to listen to it. You need to listen to the word. <laughs> I know that one wasn't right on. But I'm saying, when you put that word inside of you, the Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is, watch this, and it's able to discern the thoughts of our hearts and the intents. In other words, when you get that word inside of you, it's like living water. And even though you didn't intend to obey, the word in you will help you do it. So how do you obey by faith? You obey by faith by putting that word inside. And let me tell you what the key to energizing your faith is. Walking in love. I want you to turn this. We'll turn to Galatians chapter 5 real quick and we'll close right here. Galatians 5. Go to Galatians 5. We'll close right here. I have found that a lot of believers, some of them know the word. Some of them confess the word, which is part of the faith process. But they are about the meanest people in America. You know, I was at the Rangers game. Heaven wanted to go to the Rangers game for her birthday. And so this lady, you know, she had a stick. And it looked like a stop sign. But on the, on the sign it says, may I help you? You know, like, I want to help you. So we didn't know which way to go. So I went up to the lady. And the lady was so rude. And when we walked away, heaven was like, daddy, she was rude, wasn't she? I was like, yeah, she shouldn't be holding up that stick. (laughs) Well, some of us as believers, our faith is not working because we're too mean. 
Listen, the love of Christ is... Okay, are you in Galatians? Go to chapter 5, look at verse 6. I love this. I'm just going to read the latter part of it. The latter part of it says that faith works by... Come on, read it. How does faith work? So I can... Watch this now. I can negate my faith from working if I stop loving See, most believers think love is a punishment, especially if the person we need to love is hating on us. So we feel that we're at a disadvantage if we love somebody that's not loving us when really we're in a positive position for our faith to work. If we just keep loving, because let me tell you something about loving. God doesn't just love. He is love. And so watch this. My faith can work if I'm walking in consistent love. So that's why you, you can't afford to have no road rage. You know, when I got first got saved, y'all know, y'all help me. I'm, I'm, I'm grown in the faith a little bit now. But when I first got saved, I figured out every option to do what I used to do wrong. I tried to figure out how to do that right. In other words, like if I used to flip you the bird, I'd give you my ring finger then. I mean, it's not the finger. It's the ring finger. I, you know, uh, let me see what else. You know, well, I ain't going to tell y'all because y'all be trying to do that stuff. In other words, I learned how to reframe myself by putting the word in. And when the word start coming in, that word start working. And you start seeing those blessings. Those blessings will keep you from going off. And you say, well, Pastor, what does, that have, what does all this have to do with Easter? Here's the deal. Joseph ended up in a palace, didn't he? And God has a palace destination for all of us. But it's not just here on the earth that he wants us to live a good life. Did you know there's a place that he's already preparing for those who believe in him? Jesus said like this. He says, you know what? He said, I have gone. I'm going and I'm preparing a place for you. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it was not so, he said, I wouldn't even tell you. He says, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. So there's a spiritual palace for us. So this life, if it ain't what you want it, don't worry. You got another chance. I just, I just had a family member who, who passed this week. And she wanted to see me before she passed. And, and I said, Did, has anyone explained to you the benefits of death? Because she, was, she knew she was dying. So she was calling everybody together. And so I said, has anybody ever explained the benefits of death to you? She said, nope. I said, let me explain them to you. I said, first of all, ain't no bills up there. I said, second of all, you ain't got to work up there. Now, if you want to call, you know, praising God work, then that's work. But, you know, that ain't work. I said, uh, here's the third thing. It says, the pain you're in right now, the Bible says there'll be no more pain. And then he goes further and said, there will be no more crying. Then I said, you know, what really happens, you don't die. If you're a believer, I said, you actually go to sleep. I said, just like you went to sleep last night and got back up. I said, that's how it is when you die. You're going to go to sleep. And next thing you know, Jesus is going to be back up and it's going to be like you went to sleep. And so God, through Jesus Christ, wants everybody in this world saved. But we have to obey the decision to get saved. We have to obey. So for every head bowed and every eye closed, you may be here this morning. And you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Let me say this. He died.